o'clock. Very good. So welcome to New Freedom, everybody here and online. And I guess the first thing to do is find out who's here for the first time tonight. How many of you in here are here for the first time tonight? Good, a good, good percentage of you. Thank, thanks for coming. And welcome. So what we do here is a little different perhaps than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. So you're liable to experience us just a little different. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a very different experience here. What we do is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work with addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what happens here as the, the authors of this book wrote this in the first, uh, the forward to the first edition, they said to show others precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. And nothing's changed since that day. I'm not here to tell you what the book says to you, but I am going to show you what it says to me. I'll show you how I find my experience in it, and I'll encourage you to have your experience, and if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in here tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that happens? So you online can't see because of the anonymous nature of our group, but they're raising their hand saying they, they've shared the spirit. When we talk about a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. And when you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of that power. Fair enough? And for the skeptics among you that want to know how me knowing you're feeling some kind of way proves the power of God, well, perhaps it does not. But there is some things we ask you to take on faith. The authors shared their experience, and they tell us in the chapter we're going to look at tonight that there is one who has all power. That one is? So did we not at least demonstrate oneness when we share our spiritual movement in the room? So you, I'll leave you with that, and we're going to go ahead and start looking in. Go in your books, if you're following along, to chapter 5. 58 is the number. And some of you, how many of you have been to an AA meeting before? Good, good percentage. Most AA meetings I've ever been to, they read a portion of this chapter before the meeting, and, and so a lot of people have not maybe contemplated what they're telling us about, but the, what they read at most meetings, in AA at least, is they're, they're leading us through the all-inclusiveness, the first step, the second step, leading us to a third step decision, so, and then telling us what that decision is. So that's, that's kind of where we end up, and then knowing what the decision is, then we look for power to carry it out. So. Um, we're going to start on 58. It says, rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Did you guys catch a promise in that? You have to understand the book's the first 100, right? Who's we? The first 100. And it's the story of the first several thousand who recovered. So in their experience with several thousand hopeless alcoholics, Rarely have they seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed their path. Did you notice they did not say paths? I've heard people say you can do AA any way you want to. Well, of course you can. But rarely have we seen a person fail 
who has thoroughly followed our path. And, and you got to get, guys, the path they're talking about is not the process. The path they're talking about is the power. You have to internalize that. The path to our new life is power, not process. Make sense? Okay. All right, so those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So honest with themselves about what? There's no wrong answer here, but at this point, there's two specific things they want us to remember. So let's go back to the doctor's opinion. Um, XXVIII, bottom of that page, says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. How many of you like the effect produced by How many of you are sober in here tonight? Yeah. High percentage. That's a good start. That's good. That's good. How many of you can bring to consciousness right now that sense of ease and comfort that would come at once by having a few drinks, a few hits? Breathe it in. Can you bring it to consciousness? Whew, that's scary, isn't it? You're all sober? So we do like the effect. We like the effect so well we can have euphoric recall about it. And they told us in the first step experience that the alcoholic at certain times is beyond mental control. That we cannot bring to consciousness with sufficient force the memory of suffering humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We're without defense. And the reason we're without defense is that although I can't bring to consciousness the memory of suffering and humiliation, I can get the ease and comfort right now many years sober. Ooh, that's a hopeless fucking place to be, isn't it? <laughs> so the other thing they told us is they said, don't just set down your protection in the world. We've got a substitute for you. And they told us on page, I believe it's 50, is it 52 or 50? Where's, I don't have Sean here tonight, so I'm lost. 50, is it 52? Someone's been here before, right? Um... I think that I want to be on 50. Okay, page 50, bottom of the page. They said, here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed. So these people were doctors, lawyers, business leaders, clergy. They were learned people. So they were people of the world, but they had this profound experience in the world. Yeah, okay. They flatly declared that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, so we're going to come to believe in power, yeah, and it, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you could use a revolution in the way you live and think? How many of you have been sober a while and we, on the regular, could use a revolution in the way we live and think? So this is a manner of living that takes care of human problems, this power, yeah? Okay, in the face of collapse and despair, the face of total failure, their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Does that sound conceptual? Theological? No, it sounds like a spirit of power and a sound mind, doesn't it? Does that make sense to you where we're, where we're going? So they're saying, don't just set down the alcohol, pick up the spirit. Because I've proven I don't live well abstinent. Anyone else? Yeah. 
Any of you remember your last day or days in addiction and you were out? How comfortable were you? <laughs> what changed? Anyway, so those are the two things they want us to know. There's power available by their witness, and I can still feel at ease and comfort many years from my last drink or drug. So I better tap into this other power these people found, because if that isn't true, people like me are in a lot of trouble. Okay? So I'm honest with myself about that. I may not be honest about who and what that power is yet, but I'm honest with myself that if there isn't some power that I'm going to gain access to, I'm going to be in trouble, and I've already encountered that power. That's what step two was all about. Where do we find this power? Deep down, Deep down inside every man, woman, and child. And how do we find it? Sometimes they had to search fearlessly. So this decision to start out on a searching and fearless moral inventory would make sense. Now that I'm being honest with myself, I better tap into power because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. All right. So, where am I at now? Naturally, oh, they're not, there are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So, the program describes a manner of living. The fellowship celebrates our freedom. The fellowship's not the program. The program's not the fellowship. We've interchanged them over the years. It's confused a lot of people. People die because of that confusion. Let's not be that guy. Rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path, and then they tell us the steps we're going to follow. We're going to get there, right? It doesn't say what meetings we attended to, right? Okay, so their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So, how many of you have met those people with grave emotional and mental disorders? <laughs> Can you get them in your mind? Got a picture of them? <laughs> how many of you have discovered it might be you? <laughs> so they've always allowed us the dignity of discovering who we've been in the process, because none of us get here thinking we belong here, right? But in time, we find out not only do we belong here, but everyone coming after has a similar experience. And just the welcoming, you know, just, we know you don't think you belong, but since you found us, <laughs> take a chair. <laughs> okay. So our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like. It's so important. We've lost this in, in modern fellowship. People talk about circumstance, what I was like. That's not what we talk about. This is my testimony, the blood of the lamb, the word of my testimony. This is what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. And if you're in here any length of time, and what you were like, and what happened, and what you're like now aren't radically changed, you won't stay. Because what I like medicated myself into jail and hospitals. So if after that encounter there's not a radical change, I'm in trouble. That's just one of those things i got to be honest about, yeah? Any of you cling to your old ideas? I just don't pick up, and I'm just going to be like I always was. <laughs> Fuck, all of us have tried that plan, haven't we? So, anyway, <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> so... 
what we were like and what we're like now. If you've decided you want what we have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So one of the disservices we do in Modern Fellowship is we just point them to the steps or we tell them what to do or we don't know what the program is at all. And we say, you know, I got what you want or find someone who's got what you want. But none of us are we. Not one in here is we. Because this is their testimony, not our testimony. So how would I find out if I wanted what they had and whether I was willing to go to any lengths to get it, much less? I'd have to read the book. I'd have to go find out. So let's go to 25, see what they had, see if we have any interest in it. So on page 25, the middle of the page, they tell us what they had. The great fact is just this, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. How many of you like the effect produced by alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin? Did you, did you like sort of the progressiveness of it, a little more or a little blend, a little better living through chemistry? How about if we could get away from synthetics and get right to the real stuff? which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. So why would I want to go look inside? Why would I want to search fearlessly? Because I want that kind of certainty. And we, they use the words they mean, they mean the words they say. How many of you can think back to your days in addiction and you're miserable and you don't want to do it anymore? What were you absolutely certain about? No matter how bad it was, if I could get to the dope man, I could feel different. That's what I was absolutely certain about. Not much else. I knew the power could restore me to something. So we're not talking to them about hope here, we're talking to them about certainty. We're, not talk we're, we're talking about tangible demonstration of power. We would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration of that power. They're witnessing to the sensory experience of certainty within them. You can prove to me that you don't exist before you prove to me that God doesn't exist because I experience him all day, every day. That's what we're, that's what, do you want it, right? That's what they're telling us. So he's commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. So they're witnessing to that power, and now we're back to the question in how it works. Do you want what they have? Yeah. Yeah. Are you willing to go to certain lengths to get it? Because <laughs> God doesn't make too hard terms, right? How many of you have employed half measures in your journey? Yeah. Hands up. <laughs> right? So, but what we don't want to do is cheat ourselves out of a better version of ourselves simply because fears blocked us from moving forward. So we're going to start learning, moving the process, and see if we can outgrow fear, right? Okay. So then it says, then we're ready to take certain steps, and then they tell us about that experience, that consideration. At some of these, we balked. How many of you can think of one you balked at already? How many of you haven't started on your step journey and you're already thinking, yes, not that? Okay, so what they're telling you is everybody looking at the steps on the wall has fear. Stay in the step you're in. Get someone to help you. We'll walk you right through it. We once thought and felt as you do, but we doubt we'd made much progress had we not taken action. Here's the actions I took. Here's what I experienced as a result. I'm always the example. You're always the example of a life better lived. Okay. 
All right, so we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. So what's the very start? The very first step of action is an inventory of me. I'm going to go inside. They want me to be thorough and honest because I've got to learn to tell the story differently. You understand? We've got to learn to tell the story of our affliction, not as a curse, but as a calling. Yes? So we're going to have to get armed with the facts about ourselves, and that's where the process where that happens. That's what I was like. What happened? Then I get a goal for what I'd like to be like, and yeah, okay. So some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. How'd they learn that? We tried to hold on to their old ideas. Where do their old ideas come from? Where's the main problem come from? So it's an old idea factory. How many of you have learned that by trying to serve others, as soon as you offer yourself to others, your old ideas come up, but in an effort to help them, you set those aside and somehow you just outgrow those old ideas. That's the secret of the manner in living. You gotta, gotta take the power out for a walk, okay? All right, so remember that we deal with alcohol, baffling powerful. Without help, it's too much for us, but there is one who has all power. That one is? God. See, notice how they didn't say any of our names? Because at this stage of our development, we say that, we profess that, but what do we really believe? How many of you have thought someone else today caused the way you were thinking or feeling? Hmm. So I've got some growing to do. I haven't quite achieved perfection because I'm still believing my illusions. Anyone else? See, the world has no capacity to cause how I think and feel once I know who I am and whose I am. All it does is reflect how I'm thinking and feeling. Ooh. <laughs> right? They tell us so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. I hate that part. <laughs> okay. All right. So, may you find him now. So, where are we going looking? Deep down inside. We're prepping ourselves for that look inside that none of us wants to do. But the answers for you are in you. Okay. So, half measures availed us nothing. How'd they learn that? They employed half measures, like all the rest of us do. How many of you have employed some half measures? How many of you didn't even know there were half measures when you employed them? <laughs> That's why it would be good if we told the truth to people that this is the fellowship, not the program, and that the program requires self-searching, leveling of pride, confession of shortcomings, and it, the fellowship doesn't require that. But I require that to outgrow fear, to experience the power, to prove the power to me, through me, to come into the certainty of the Creator within me. Yeah? I'm never more certain than the Creator's existence within me than when I'm sitting down with someone offering myself to them. Right? Okay. So, we stood at the turning point. We asked His protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. So I'm going to jump from there over to page 60, because you guys have heard the steps. But remember, before we start the steps, a lot of times people forget this. You can't move into a conscious relationship without examining it with your logical senses. So you're entitled to the dignity of the entirety of the process before you start even on the first step. We don't do that form anymore, right? 
So we need to sit down and explain to them, this is what you're going to do, here's why you're going to do it, here's why I know, because this is what I had to do and this is why I had to do it. And the results are self-evident. I'm here trying to help you instead of scoring the next hit. Right? Okay. So many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. How many of you have had that? Maybe you wouldn't worded it quite that way. What do we often hear in the fellowship when people say that? We hear people say things like bullshit. Because we think this is a cheer squad, and it's not. They're talking about their experience, their very real experience of fear that will keep them forever stuck instead of being encouraged. Because, of course, it looks like an order. It's ridiculous when we see what's being asked of us at first. Sometimes it still is. <laughs> so then what we're to say is do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like spirit, or perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. Why did they tell us that? Because 80 years ago they were going through the same trepidation. They were just four years further along in the path when they wrote this book, and, and they just wanted everyone to know, look, we know you're scared, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you carry your burdens, because that's what the power does. Okay, so the principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. How many of you have been here any length of time and can claim spiritual progress? You're doing something for yourself, you're doing something for others, you're tending to business, you're showing up. That's progress for many of us, yes? So, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. So they're going to go through what everyone lovingly calls the ABCs, but we need to internalize that because that is the culmination of the first two steps leading me to a third step decision. And without me enjoining with the power I encountered in two at this point, I probably will not go forward. And even if I do, it may not be a sufficient effort. Because this isn't a psychological exercise. What, what is the point of going inside? What's found there? The idea of God first, and then the reality of God directly behind it. So I find purpose within me, and immediately the discovery of purpose within me, the power to carry it out is self-evident. How many of you have had that happen? How many of you have found a little purpose in your suffering once you found out that your addiction was a calling, not a curse. You're sitting in a sinner that believes that with our entire heart and soul. That's why it exists. Not because of our qualification, because of our identification. Trust that. Okay, so that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Notice how they separated those two? That's the first step and the second step. I didn't learn about the unmanageability until my second step experience, but I cop to it in one because I'm beat. <laughs> Anyone else relate? So they've separated those two ideas. So there's one and two that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. So that's a review. How many human powers have tried to relieve my alcoholism? Remember, my alcoholism isn't because I drink too much. My alcoholism is that I need philosophical comfort and I can't find any. I got a storm within me that will not be stilled, and I know how to still it. They sell it on the corner. 
Anyone know what I'm talking about? You're like, which corner, man? <laughs> I know, I got you. Just in case this shit don't work out, I want to know. But I got you, I understand. That God couldn't would if he were sought. So when we say God, what do we say here? When they say God, we say power. Because for us, they're interchangeable. And lack of power is my dilemma. And I know that power could and will if he sought, and now I have direction I've never had, I'm going within. Now I want to find out the great reality, yeah? All right, so now it says being convinced we're at step three. So what are we convinced of? God couldn't would if he were sought. I hope so, right? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> okay. So, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Power. Now, power. Absolutely right. I want to call to your attention a fundamental deception that's caused the efficacy of our program to go down substantially over the years. God as we understood him is not the same as saying God of my understanding. People have said that, but that's not true, and that's not what they said. First of all, you'd have to know who we is. Who's we? None of us are we. So I'd have to read how they understood God in order to know what they were talking about. And they know until I've encountered tangible power, that ain't happening. Because that was their experience. What, Bill Wilson was a famous, he called himself an atheist. So he, he knew and he was radically transformed, right? So he knew this. So God as he understood him was this experience of him in the cathedral and all these things, a radical movement of the Spirit showing him his life and showing him his purpose all in the same time. Yeah? How many of you had that happen to you? Didn't even know it. Someone came and showed you something and all of a sudden, wow, someone really does understand me. I don't even understand me and they understand me. Okay. So you'll notice in the steps this God of our, as we understood him, is always in, in italics because the God I understood yesterday is not the God I understand today because I've had a growing experience in my walk with God. Anyone else? And it has nothing to do anymore with you and what you understand. It has to do, the understanding I received once I have my encounters, not mine anyway. I was not a very understanding guy, but I received understanding through me, which allowed me to serve. Anyone else have that experience? This is Easter week, so you guys are going to get it whether you like it or not. Okay. So, so just what do we mean by that and what do we do? So what do we mean, what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So you would have to ask yourself, are you convinced? And now ask yourself, what are you convinced by? That any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Why are you convinced? Because your life's run, run into a sandbar? Okay, get it? But now read the sentence again. Because the reason for a manner of living instead of just a decision is it said any life. I've got to quit thinking that those people out there are causing the way I think and feel. I've got to quit thinking, you know, I've got to quit comparing myself to my surroundings and realize the surroundings have no power but to reflect what's going on in me anyway. Make any sense? And I, we're not always right there, are we? Because the illusions are powerful. Right? Because sometimes people are difficult. 
and we're people. <laughs> so we lack perspective by our nature. But as he is, so are you in the world. That's another little secret you may not have been taught. So you can gain perspective, is all we're trying to say. Okay, so the first requirement is we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success, so this manner of living is going to convince me as long as I offer myself to serve, right? And it says on, on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. So how many of you have had that experience? Good motives. Some son of a bitch messed with my plan. Yeah, happens, doesn't it? Okay. So my motives were in check, but my expectations were out of line. I wanted to help you, but I wanted you to respect me in a certain way as a result. Yeah. You see how this is going to be a manner of living? It's going to play out a while, right? Okay. So each person's like an actor who wants to run the whole show. He's forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. How many of you have had that little experience? How many of you got everybody doing what you wanted and the show still didn't quite tickle you? Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. How many of you find yourself there? <laughs> considerate, generous, modest, self. Come on, there ought to be every hand in the room ought to be there because no one's that bad. We're, we're discovering our human condition. It's time to get a little balance. You are all those things sometimes. True? Okay. So we may be that. And now we're going to look at what else we may be. And remember, we're sharing this planet with seven billion or so. And they may be. <laughs> so we're never quite sure whether they're out of their lane or, yeah. So on the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. So any of you see yourself there? Okay. But as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. Guys, we're not trying to solve an al alcoholic problem. We're trying to solve a human problem. And what I want to deliver to you tonight on Easter week is that problem's been solved, but we don't know there's a problem. Therefore, we don't know the solutions already among us. Because we already have what it is everyone else says they're looking for, because we think that there's possibility for being disconnected, and there really is not. You're either connected and alive or you're not. Does it make sense? You may well be asleep. <laughs> okay, so what usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. And on Thursday night, you find yourself in a crowded ballroom in a treatment center that receives people from prison and other... <laughs> right? Because none of us get here on a winning streak, right? All right. So he begins to think life doesn't treat him right. Any of you get there? Like six times today, right? <laughs> he decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. And still the play does not suit him. 
You ever had that happen? They just won't fucking listen, will they? <laughs> Have you ever thought about why that is, though? I can't tell you for you, but let me tell you what I discovered for me. This is the play that is my life. See, this isn't a book for you. This is a book for me. If I'll do what they say, it won't matter to me what you do. Right? So, so this is the play that is my life. And pretty soon it's going to be the time to play my part. And the camera's going to pan to Joe to play the part that is my life. And I'm going to be over there arranging the light, the scenery, and the ballet. The show can't come off because I'm not there to play my part. <laughs> Isn't that a pisser? <laughs> so I'm going to have to dig into this manner of living, right? Okay. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. You ever double down? <laughs> I may be wrong, but they're wronger. <laughs> okay. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. Have you ever found yourself in that abyss? Do you realize it just gets darker and darker? really, really difficult, isn't it? Okay, so what is his basic trouble? When they put a question mark in this book, they're going inward. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So if I'm just sinking in darkness, I need to know what is my basic trouble. And I may need someone to help me with their witness of what they discovered their basic trouble was, which is why we walk with one another here, right? We have a peer model. <laughs> yeah. Where's my peers? I got any peers in here? I better have a room full of them. Okay. Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Another question. So I was trying to be kind, but I had an attachment. I wanted a certain response to you or from you for my kindness. Has that ever happened to any of you? Have an expectation of how it ought to go versus how it did go? How many of you ever have misperceived it? Okay, so for whatever reason, if I'm disturbed by my act of kindness, it's not because of, it, you know, I mean, there's a little self involved, right? Okay, so is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Another question mark. How many of you realize that managing the world yourself is delusion? How many of you took a while? Because it, you know the nature of delusion, right? Delusional people lie to themselves and they don't know they're lying to themselves. So if you think you know your delusion, you're delusional. <laughs> a little tricky, isn't it? What smashes our delusion is the power uses us to help other people. I can see their problem long before I see mine. Right? Okay. So, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? How many of you have been caught by another when you're running around pretending you're in charge. That's never happened to anyone in here, has it? And they were a little disturbed because they discovered you weren't in charge. And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show. So all of us humans all think every once in a while we're in charge and people discover us, and now I'm in a head-on collision with two delusional people me and whoever I encountered, <laughs> right? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Notice how it's in third person, so it's not an assault on my ego until I find myself in the book. Please quit changing the words, guys. Just because someone showed you doesn't mean it's right. This is their testimony, not my testimony. That allows me to see me 
through the lens, the only one I can, look out and see you, see your suffering, offer myself and realize I'm this guy and I'm that guy. And I can't behave any, I'm powerless to behave any different until I encounter sufficient power, I awaken sufficiently to remove the plank from my eyes so I can better see to help my, does this make sense? Okay. All right, so our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. So they want us to go inward mentally first, but they're prepping me to go in and get the facts about myself because I'm going to have to find my part in all suffering because I have no key out of the suffering until I discover the reality within me and realize that I'm operating in a calling rather than a curse and learn to retell the story. Does that make sense? How many, how many therapy types I got in here? How much time do you spend a day helping people learn to retell their story? This isn't new. We've known it for years and years. Okay. All right. So, selfishness, self-centeredness, that, we think, is the root of our troubles. We don't like to hear that about ourselves, do we? How many of you don't like the word selfish? Is there a percentage of you? And how many of you are okay with selfish, but you don't like fear? I'm not afraid of nothing. Maybe a little selfish. Because <laughs> we, we get one way or the other, right? But the fact is, all selfishness is driven by fear. And so we're saying the same thing. We don't know we're saying the same thing. So what we're talking about is I'm, I'm fear-driven, and it's caused a manifestation of self, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what it defeated me. So I think I know what you're doing, but I don't know what you're doing. I don't even know what I'm doing. Okay. So that we think it's the root of our that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Now what's important to get there is this is the third step decision information, but we're not saying to you that you're the cause of all the suffering you've had. What we're saying is you went through some suffering, you're a survivor of that suffering, and the healing you need is going to come from you offering yourself that healing to another. So until you allow yourself to be used as an instrument of healing, you're just going to stay wounded without understanding why you have that storm. Does it make sense? So, and you're not going to, so we don't want you, if you went through terrible suffering, we're not saying that's your fault, but we're saying the only thing you can do, given that that's what happened to you, is use it for good purpose. Okay? So... It says, sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So sometimes we overthink that. If someone hurt you as a child, you had no part in that. But if you're dying over it in your adulthood, you have a part in that. You're holding on to a spirit of grievance that's serving nobody. Does it make sense? And so... The best way, you're not going to let go of that spirit of grievance until we give you a better tool, because that's the tool by which you survive. But we're giving you better tools if you'll serve. 
right? That's why we've told you the entirety of the process. Okay, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. So, main problem centers in the mind. I've perceived a problem, therefore it exists. How many of you have found a problem where none exists and no one could convince you otherwise? So that's a human thing we do, right? Okay. So they arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Now they've done a trick on us. They've separated regular people who are just, you know, normal people are regular examples of self-will run riot. I have discovered I am a regular people with alcoholism. So I'm an alcoholic, and I'm an extreme example of self-will run riot, and I don't think so. <laughs> what are my chances? They're not, they're not good, less than average. I mean, my history would tell you you're not even average. Yeah. yeah. So above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. See, I gotta know that I'm the alcoholic and not these other people first. I used to hear people in the rooms, I wish those people out there get a program like we got in here. And I'm like, I wish the people in here get a program like they wrote in here. And then we'd all get along better. Because we found a little power in that process. Yeah, the power. The process reveals the power to us through us. There's no power in the process, but the power we discover within us as a result of the process is the power to live. Not a power not to do, power to live. Pretty, pretty important power. That's why later they're going to talk about vital. Probably not going to do good without it. Okay, all right. So we must, or it kills us, and God makes that possible. Who makes that possible? God. Power makes that possible. Lack of power is my dilemma, then power is the only solution to a lack of power dilemma. Right? Okay. So, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. How many of you tried to get rid of self without God's aid? How many of you took a selfie of you doing it? It's tricky, this getting rid of self shit, isn't it? Because if you're aware of self, you didn't get rid of self. So it's really not that hard to conceive as you grow in this thing that God's going to have to do it because without God consciousness working through me, I am always conscious of self. How many of you have done this long enough that you have moments where you're not conscious of self and you're just serving as an instrument and you know it's true? Everyone that's serving, we do know it's true, right? All right, so many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore but we could not live, to, live up to them even though we would have liked to. So how many of you had that little discovery? The guy that wrote a book a couple thousand years ago, he says, well, what a wretch I am. I do the things I hate, and I don't do the things I want to do. Many of you had that discovery? Yeah. That's one of those things where we're quick to see where religious people are right. They've been having trouble with that for 2,000 years. Maybe I ought to <laughs> suck up and hit that power. <laughs> right? All right. So... Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. How much power do I have? What's the delusion? My own power. There's one who has all the power. That one is? They didn't say Joe, did they? 
So it shouldn't surprise me by wishing and trying on my own power, which is? So I'm going to struggle with that idea, aren't I? Because his mind's not going to want to believe that. My friend Brad says, how much power did Lazarus have to come out of that grave? Any of you read that other book? <laughs> Lazarus was dead four days. He stunk. <laughs> when God called, he came out of that grave. Anyway, so we had to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. The how and the why. What do we mean? What do we do? Here's the how and the why. Okay? We... First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? How many of you didn't know you were playing God? I don't think any of us really know we were playing God, right? I didn't realize that I wasn't self-determined and, yeah? And if you're not religious at all, this is really weird, right? But even if you come from a religious background, you, sometimes you're not in relationship, and God's not religious, he's relational, right? Okay, so... Next, we decided that here and after in this drama life, God was going to be our director. Oh, what a concept. <laughs> so when the show to play the part that is my life comes on, I'll be on cue and I'll let God direct. I won't be out there arranging lights and scenery in the valley. I'll be ready to on cue. Yeah? All right, so he's the principal, right? That's why I succumb to believe, right? We come, we come to, we come to believe. That's why they call it an awakening. <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting the way they use words. And what's the goal of 12-step recovery? To awaken. It's not to sober up. I was already sobered up when I entered the decision. It's not that. It's to wake up. Who I am and whose I am. Yeah? Okay. So then it says, uh-oh. So, most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom when we sincerely took such a position. So how might I demonstrate the sincerity of my position? I'd be, I'd be moving in it, right? The, the old-timers used to say, three frogs on a log. Any of you remember that? <laughs> One of them makes a decision to jump. How many frogs are on the log? Three. Three. He just made a decision. He didn't fucking jump. <laughs> So we'll know you've made the decision because we'll see the radical change in you, right? You won't have to tell us light, self-evident. Don't tell me you're enlightened, shine. Okay? So all, sor all sorts of remarkable things followed. So when I make the decision, signs and wonders follow us. Make sense? Age of Miracles is still with us. These guys wrote all about it. Okay? All right, so we had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. How might I keep close to this new employer? Where is he found? How does he present himself? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. I might seek that direction instead of run off on my own delusion. Does that make sense? The whole reason I'm going to do this inventory is learn how I think and how it manifests itself is driven by fear and how I'm so freaked out by everybody's, you know, their opinion of me when truth is most of them really aren't thinking about me quite as often as I'm thinking about me. <laughs> but, okay. Right. So 
Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. Well, that'd be good now that I've discovered that selfishness, self-centeredness is the problem. Now that I've made this decision and I've started to move, so the minute I've started in this active life, finding out the facts about myself and moving in this active life of amends, see, the 12th step is just the life of amends that you prepare for in nine. Nine gets me fit enough, self-searching, leveling, a pride, confession, a shortcoming, that allows me to walk into the addict scene, the alcoholic scene, and never tell them what they should do. Their faults are not discussed. They stick to my own. I was once as hopeless as you. I, I don't think I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. I did this, and I did this. I took an inventory. I learned the facts about myself. I encountered this power. I had... People helped me. I went out and made amends for harms done, and now that power that I didn't believe in, that I now believe in, has sent me to you. And I'm here to deliver your healing, if you'll have it. Not that I'm a healer, but I operate for one. <laughs> Make sense? Okay. So, so established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. How many of you have discovered how little... Our plans and designs are, once you found stories at this place, you people online don't know, but we're sitting in a 150,000 square foot facility that was built exclusively for the people that society forgot. Because God treasures them and we treasure them, and, and we are here not because of qualification, but because of identification. Know that. Yep. And we're assembled here, and we're telling you with absolute certainty that God has entered my heart and lives, and this is evidence of it. Okay? All right, so... <laughs> we got short attention spans, right? So we're now at step three, which really didn't ask much of us, but it's going to ask us to say a prayer. They've given us a suggested prayer. What I always tell people is, look, how many of you talk in King James language? Nobody here tonight does? Good. That's good. So if you don't talk in King James language, you're entering on a new relationship, it's okay to you know, talk like you talk, because God knows how you talk. So you might want to write your own prayer instead of take theirs. They just gave you a suggestion capturing the idea, and they're going to tell us that. Okay. So it says, we're now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, notice it's in italics. So who's we? And how did they understand their maker? lived within, expressed itself as power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. They had already experienced a radical transformation because they had been in this manner of living for four years before they wrote these words. Don't let anyone deceive you. They were walking in the certainty when they wrote this book. That's why we don't change their testimony. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Notice how there is not an amen. I like to tell people that because some time ago, someone who wanted to help someone put an amen, put it on a card, and say, here's your third step prayer. And it, it further deceives. This is only half the prayer. God's never expected me to carry out a life without showing me what the life looked like. I don't know what the life looked like until I go inside and see what I was like, what happened. And so there's no amen there because my eyes aren't open yet. Does that make sense? And I don't talk in these and thous. 
My prayer early on was, Papa, can you help a motherfucker out? Because <laughs> it was getting a little dark. So you come as you are. Does that make sense? Thoughtfully and humbly made. So it says we thought well before taking this step to make making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. That's a big decision. A power I don't know, or I've just encountered, and I've read things, and I've got ideas about it, and I don't know. And so it's a big deal. I'm going to just abandon myself to this power on your say-so? No. But on the experience I have, yes. I'm honest with myself. I have encountered power, and I'm willing to take another step. Right? That's why they're in order. Don't look at nine when you haven't done two. Okay? All right, so we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor, but it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. Those of you who are more religious, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. You want to meet your creator on your own if whoever you're joining with doesn't understand the decision you're making. But if they do, that's fine. Do it in a group. We'll do it as a community together. Okay? But make sure we all understand that it's a life of service. Okay? So the wording was, of course, quite optional so long as we expressed the idea of voicing it without reservation. Why do I need to voice it without reservation? Well, they said we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost self. This is the first step in recovery. If I haven't taken the first step, if I don't fully concede to my innermost self, and I can't do that based on a lie or a deception. So I have to be moving in truth. That's why. So I can't voice it with reservation. How many of you have said a prayer, and you really didn't give a shit because someone told you just say a prayer? Don't care what you believe in, just say it. And then nothing happens. You go, God doesn't work. That's not true. You don't know that. God doesn't care about prayers you don't care about. God doesn't care about your need. He cares about your faith. And you think it's your faith. It's his faith he put in you. But he wants you to activate it. You're not going to do that based on a lie, so you're going to have to move in the experience. Does that make sense? Don't let me talk you into shit. (laughs) So this was only a beginning, though honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. Do yourself a favor. If you think this is all nonsense,